What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, July 1st, 2020. This week's episode, The Diamond Shines Against Hooker. We'll be talking about everything UFC Vegas 4. We'll be talking about the recent MMA news, what's going on with John Jones, and of course, looking ahead to a very stacked summer in mixed martial arts. And of course, we will start to talk a little bit about Fight Island. All of that in this week's episode. What's up, guys? My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Can you believe it? Fight Island is almost just about upon us. I'm very excited. (laughs) What's funny is that's more believable to me than the fact that it's July. You know, it's, yeah. I was looking at the, you know, as we've been doing pretty much every day of the apocalypse and they're talking about, oh, you know, it's barely going to be the second half of 2020. And I'm like, you know, the fact that that's not a good feeling should tell you just about everything you need to know about how it's been going. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, I can't believe it's already halfway or, you know, basically halfway like unreal, dude. Like this all started really february the people started getting nervous but you know it was already here in december january oh boy what an interesting what an interesting year it's been i just think how fast how fast the dominoes fell since mid-march and i will say this whether it be the fact that we had more mma or just that life has kind of kicked off a little bit i will admit june passed by like it was nothing i literally you know it's like I couldn't tell you too much of what I did. It just really went by that quick to me. Yeah, super fast. And like, I still haven't finished Tiger King. So I don't know. I think you you could just lie and say you did now. Honestly, man, I just can't get myself to do it. It's just, I'm just one of those people that wasn't, wasn't feeling it. Just put it on before bed. Just, you know, if you fall asleep, you know, like. They still count if you slept through the episodes. Dude, but then they ask you, are you still watching? And it's like, well, if I'm sleeping, then I can't. Yeah, but uh, that, only- That's embarrassing, by the way. It's like, yeah, I want to binge this, this show. Like, can you leave me alone? There should be a way to turn that off. I agree with that. But <laughs> I also think it's funny. It's like people been at home. It's like, yes, I'm still watching. Why do you still need to ask? Yeah, they should at least turn it off for this period of, of our lives, right? Like, come on, Netflix. Why are you trying to shame us? You're the ones that invented binge watching. Uh, we'll tweet him later. We'll tweet him later. I'm angry about this. <laughs> I can tell. It's like you want to talk about it more than the fight with Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker. That's how Ooh. bad it was. <laughs> um, you know what? Well, let's talk about it. Um, dude. All right. So very bluntly, fight of the year or not quite? I mean, it's up there like that. The only other contender that I keep hearing and I agree is is Weili Zhang and Joanna and Jacek. So, like, geez, it's 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 hand in hand, neck and neck, I should say. You know, I have to rewatch both of them, you know, to make a final decision. But but yeah, like it's pretty much up there with only one other fight for me. Yeah, the way I've described it is they are really one A and one B. Um, I think Joanna Weili was just much faster paced, rightfully so. They're like fifty pounds lighter than both of these guys. And then um, Dustin versus uh, Dan, that was just more damage 
I'm like, yes, Johanna was beat up, but no, really, look at some of the shots they landed on each other. Just way more damage on both sides. And look, they made it for a lot of fun. And yeah, if you tell me, you know, Dan versus Dustin is your number one, I mean, I enjoyed it the same. I'm, I'm good with it. I'm not going to argue. That's why they have World MMA Awards. So they have professionals who count up the votes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, biggest takeaways, it was a lot of ebb and flow. I was really impressed with the way Hooker maintained the distance in a lot of moments. Uh, the kicks, very effective with the kicks. He did a good job, um, you know, one landing them, but following up with the punches, just beautifully done. I will say, I think the one, you know, where did it go different than my prediction was he took some bombs from Dustin. I mean, Dustin hit him with some clean shots. You could hear that they were landing bone, you know, the fist on the chin, that nice, just, you know, that very satisfying crack, right? And I'll say it, Dan took those things well. Yes, he got cut. Yes, he got beat up. But he took them like he was Tony Ferguson, if I'm being honest. I was just very impressed with the way he did that. Um, uh, He landed a lot of great shots on Poirier. I'll say that. Also, I was very impressed with the way Poirier took a bunch of them. He was rattled. But I think the big difference is I feel like we've seen Poirier take those shots in the past. And that was a wrap. Even against Habib, the shots came differently. Uh, against some of the other tough guys, the shots came differently. I feel like Dan, big dude, tall, lightweight, hit Dustin right on the spot, but Dustin stayed on his feet and he survived so many times. I was just very impressed with that. And um, yeah, Dustin, you know, back and forth, but he just seemed to take a little more control in the later rounds. That fifth round, he kind of just really showed why he had that next gear, and I think that won him the fight. Yeah, definitely, and and you know I was a little nervous at first for for Poirier. Dan Hooker had a great first round, especially with those leg kicks. But once Poirier, Poirier figured it all out, you know, <laughs> like you said, he took some he took some good punches, but he landed some bombs too. I mean, he ate a couple of knees as well. Like he got it from Dan Hooker, but but he gave it right back, and he just. He just had more, more, more gas in the tank at the end, maybe, maybe more heart. Maybe it comes down to experience, like having been there and and, and fighting at the top for the biggest prize. You know, gives you an, it, it definitely gives you an edge. So it was really, really impressive going back and forth. I would have loved to have been like front row, you know, around the uh, around the cage there. But but how was the experience overall? Yes, good for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so the the cruel irony of it is, is like, even though, you know, there's already very few people in the apex, all the media people were actually set up outside. So that nice fancy venue that they keep talking about. Yeah, we're sitting um, in a smaller tent outside in the parking lot. So, yeah. So I couldn't say, oh, man, I was right there listening to the punches. Unfortunately, I was enjoying them on a screen like everybody but we were close by and I really enjoyed it. Um, the entire experience was a lot smoother. I think a lot of that was they took the unknown out of it. Uh, my first COVID test, absolutely the worst. I mean, they, this dude really, uh, I don't know what he was missing, but he just wasn't getting it because he kept swishing that thing. And then my second one on fight night, you know, it was like, like I got poked once and it was over. It was so quick. So I was like, ah, well, that's it. So it was a different experience, but it went by a lot faster. And um, 
you could tell they just have it down packed. I mean, everybody was like, you know, here we go. Like, go here, go there, stand, stand here. I need this. I don't need that. Kaboom. Even Dana okay. White took the time yeah. to vacation. But yeah, go ahead. Wow. No, I was going to ask you about the mask. Like, how many do you take with you? So I just have like a nicer quality mask. I don't take several. And, you know, like, I, I, I'll be honest, I'm not going out. So, like, the only time I'm really wearing it is for UFC stuff when I'm there. And obviously, I'm only around people who have tested negative. So, you know, but yeah, I just take one. It's a nicer cloth mask. Um, it's a little stiffer so for the shape, but yeah. Since everyone's getting tested and you can only get to, like, the final place, you know, fight night, if you pass the test, does anyone ever ask, like, why are we still wearing our masks? Or do you just kind of wear it and, you know, do your job? Put Abs your head down and do your job? You know, absolutely it's come up because it's very, you know, common sense, right? Yes, yeah. that is very true. But I think the thing about it is that, you know, they encourage us and they do have you wear it. But technically speaking, I could test negative on Saturday. But in the rare, if you think about it for anybody, in the rare somehow it happens between my, you know, where I'm staying in my car and walking to the, you know, where they keep us at the hotel, technically, could I be exposed to it? And could I catch it? But if I'm tested the same morning, it's not going to come up? Absolutely. So I think that that's really the logic is that if you are somehow in that borderline, you tested negative, but you're just in the early stages of having been exposed to it, I think that it just reinforces the idea that, like, no, you would still wear the mask anyway, and that would protect other people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, I was watching Top Rank Boxing, I think, the immediately after the fight, I think they started airing it, and they were in Mexico, and the ref was wearing a, a mask in the ring, but obviously for UFC, the refs don't wear masks, neither do the fighters, of course. Um, so I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but do you see the refs put their mask on as soon as the fight's over or, you know, when I see the fighters walking out of the cage, they don't put their masks on. They're walking out without them. Uh, do you, do you get to see it all when, when the three people that were in the cage actually put masks back on? I, I could be honest. I really don't. Um, I haven't kept up with that. I do know the officials are all tested and they're secluded also, but yeah, I couldn't tell you when I, I will say this. I think that, um, I feel like they do have someone monitoring that. So, like, if you're walking out of the cage and they don't see you start to put the mask back on, I feel like they would be called out on it. Because you see yeah. the officials, like, you know, the cut man is wearing his mask in the cage. Um, the commander cut, cut woman is doing the Vaseline, is putting the stuff on them. Before they yeah. go in there, they're wearing the mask. So I feel like it would happen, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's no skin off my nose. I'm not, like trying to say like everyone should put their mask on i was just curious like if you see any of that stuff behind the scenes kind of but not if you're not if they put you in the tent no sadly yeah <laughs> one day one, one day, day i will get that bread let everybody move into the uh i'll get the bread okamoto treatment and they're like mr gonzalez the front row center can may I, we mask you yeah and can, they'll put can, a mask on for you like can i bring you a beverage <laughs> no um uh, let, uh, hey, we can't move on too quick. Uh, Dustin Poirier, who's, uh, I, I think, 
Common sense says Tony Ferguson. I'm going to put an asterisk because yes, that is a good fight. Yes, that makes sense. Yes, that would be awesome. I think after this, let's say Dustin wanted to take a break until 2020. But let's say Tony says he wants to fight in October, November. Mind you, that is very quick after his fight with Gaethje. But still, you know, he is that type of guy. I don't know if necessarily I would want them to wait for each other. I could see Tony. I've, I've heard Dan Hooker call him out. I'm not opposed to that after watching Dan. Charles Oliveira is out there. I really could see either way. I feel like Tony, you know, if you want to build up Tony, I do think he is slightly ahead of Hooker and Oliveira. But if it's about getting him back to a title shot and also keeping Dustin Poirier... Looking good at 155. I could see them doing it. So I love Poirier and Ferguson. But my point is I could see a lot of scenarios where it just doesn't happen for several reasons. Yeah, it's a good fight. But it kind of makes me cringe a little bit. Just like, oh, man, I don't want like they're both so good. And they both just came off these crazy fights. Like I want them to rest their faces and their brains. And I feel like they should they should not come back till until next year but because you know if they fight each other it's going to be another barn burner and that's just I mean there's there's no easy there's no easy opponent at 155 I'm looking at the rankings like you go down even to, to from from seven up Paul Felder up like you're getting beat up no matter who you fight even if you win you're getting beat up so it's a it's a heck of a division to be in trying to trying to climb back up to the to the championship uh, spot especially um, but yeah, that's of course that's an incredible fight. Dan Hooker, I mean, God bless him if he wants to go after another top guy in that division. But it's like for for someone like Dan Hooker, Tony Ferguson, you look up, you look down, and and, and in any case, in any in any um, any way you look at it, it's just heat coming right at you. Yeah, I'd like to point out the people who look up or down and they see Tony Ferguson and Dan Hooker. That's not an easy thing either. So. I think it's it's a good time, right? At 155, I think that's a good problem to have. But um, yeah, if we're going to do this, everybody heal up because I want you guys to be able to go for max damage. So <laughs> I'll say that. And by the way, Dan Hooker, I mean, Charles Oliveira right there, if he's not getting the Tony fight, I think he's he showed that he's one of those elite guys at 155, in my opinion. I think that he just ran into a very, very talented and experienced guy in Poirier, but he showed that he deserved to be there. And if he had gone the W, you'd be like, oh, you know, Tony Ferguson. Let's start talking about his shot at Justin or Habib. You know, he really showed why he's one of the top guys. So I don't want to see him go too far down, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, real quick, uh, the Paul Felder curse. Like all the guys in UFC, if you beat Paul Felder, you lose your next fight. <laughs> is this a thing or is this just, you know, the stats... The stats guy got paid overtime. What do you think? How many times does that happen? <laughs> it's, I feel like the graphic had like four or five. Jeez. And it happened again because Hooker lost to Poirier. I mean, but that's a tough one too because like that fight could have gone either way. I actually thought Felder won. So, you know, maybe uh, that's an, a new curse is if you, you, you take a W from Paul Felder, then you lose your next fight. But it, he, everybody keeps calling him out though. Yeah, they do like, because he's interviewing them. <laughs> and it's like they can't probably can't remember who else is in the division. They're like, oh, this guy's in the division. I'll <laughs> fight this guy. 
Okay, this is gonna sound messed up, but you know what I think it is? I think they feel like, okay, it's two, three things. I, um, I think the obvious one, they think he's an easy target. Yeah, he's tough and durable, but I can strike and I can wrestle, I could beat Paul Felder. And obviously it's easier said than done. But two, uh, or to go to number two, uh, it's lightweight. There's a lot more lightweights that fight that, that fight than heavyweights, right? And then Dominic Cruz hardly ever goes in the cage. Michael Bisping's retired. So really, if there's an analyst who's most likely to get called out, it's Felder. So It's going to be Felder, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that that's, um, that's just part of it. Like, what are you going to do? Call out Cormier? Come on, guys. You know, yeah. He's already yeah. on his way out. So I think that's why it happens a lot. But And he works a lot, too. He'll do a bunch of an international events. You'll notice that. But yeah, so... Is it a thing? I mean, now everybody's going to be watching it, for sure. I mean, so. that'd be kind of funny if it was a thing. Like, what is he... It's uh... like it happens the rest of his UFC career. Yeah. Hey, what if, like, people stop wanting to fight him? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you'll only have, like, lower-level guys who are like, eh, I got nothing to lose. I'll fight Felder. Dude, uh, that'd funny. be hilarious. Uh, Natalie, there's many great coaches and cornermen... <laughs> in the sport of mixed martial arts, whether it's the brilliant minds of Faraz Zahabi, Greg Jackson, Trevor Whitman, Duke Rufus, Mark Henry, Eugene Behrman. And yet everyone has been sleeping on the great Latori Gonzalez. I mean, I think that... I mean, perfect you know. record in the UFC. I mean, <laughs> man... How do we miss it? The art of subtlety is, you know, strong in Latoria Gonzalez. I actually thought it was very sweet. You know, she came out with the ice. She did. She did her thing. Didn't get in his way. Let him process what he needed to process in his own mind. But I got to tell you, man, I guess I'm not following Mike Perry so closely because last week when you brought this up, I was still, that's why I texted you. I was still picturing who apparently was his wife, I thought was his girlfriend, the Platinum blonde lady princess, that he fought in, yeah. the K, in the ring. Like, I was doing, he was kickboxing with her a year ago. Like, I had to go look up the video to confirm. It wasn't that long ago that he was doing this. It was January of last year. So apparently he got divorced, or at least is no longer with his wife, and now <laughs> has a new girlfriend. So I was surprised. When I saw this lady walk out, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's not what I was expecting. Um, but in any case, very sweet. And it seemed that, Whatever his reasons were to save a buck or, you know, just because he thought it would be funny. Um, you know, she gave him what he needed. He got his win and he said he heard a couple of little, you know, chirps from her here and there. And she, you know, he was like, okay, now she's getting it. She's uh, she's feeling it. But, hey, you know, look, he won. If, she, if he hadn't won, I don't think you could have blamed her anyway because – she didn't say anything, so you can't criticize her either way. But he got the he got the victory, so good for both of them. What did you uh, What did you think? Did you get to see her walking around? Uh, you know what she did um, when we talked to Mike Perry. She was there and she hung out in the back. I know a bunch of people. Uh, I'm not going to name names, but they were like, "Oh, it would be so awesome to talk to her. Like, let's just like put her on the put her on the stage or something. You know, give her the microphone." But um, yeah. you know what? Uh, I will say this, it was not lost on anybody. You notice the the camera people didn't give a damn who was what was happening in Mickey Gall's corner. They everyone right, right. knew what was everyone knew where the camera had to be and um 
Michael Bisping, God bless him. You know, John Anik cues it up for him. Well, Mike, what did you think? And he's like, I agree with what she said. He's doing great. And I was like, Bisping. Oh, this is a beautiful thing. I mean, you can't argue with that. Yeah. uh, Before I forget, um, did you watch the whole thing? Like the, um, the package they played before? No, I didn't see it. Oh my gosh. Mike Perry, like, go find it. Mike Perry has a moment and he's like, I got two reasons why I'm going to beat Mickey Gall. And he just looks at his fist quietly. And I was like, (laughs) I like, it was so stupid. It was hilarious. I was dying. Um, one of a kind, uh, you know, um, I'll say this, uh, he walks to the beat of his own drum. Um, I think that, uh, at the end of the day, he's doing what he, I think if he honestly thought it was going to be bad for him, he would not have done it. I really do feel like he looked at the fight with Mickey Gall and he said, I could do this by myself essentially. And, um, yes, it's very cute. I give her credit. It was just very, you could tell this is not a good idea but she's doing her best like she's she's shorter so you see her she hardly is carrying that stool off the ground as she's bustling Um, i was like oh my gosh you know i give her credit she went out there and did the best she could and clearly look mike is the one who brought her out there so yeah um it was quite the scene i agree with daniel cormier i don't know if you listened to him but he said i know we enjoyed it and we certainly it got our attention, but this absolutely should not be a thing going forward for anybody. And I agree with that. And um, yeah, I think Mike Perry, once again, we talked about it. He was always going to be a stylistically good matchup for Mickey Gall. So I think that was a lot, a big unspoken factor going into it. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, I got to say, it kind of surprised me. I thought that Mike Perry would make quick, quick work of Mickey Gall or quick, quicker work. Um, but you know, it was a, it was a back and forth, you know, Gall had some good shots. He was, uh, he was, he, you know, he couldn't sleep on him, I guess. It was, so. quite, it was quite the scene. I'll say that. But, um, <laughs> no, I mean, look good for them, man. I mean, to the victor goes the spoils. The fact is he won, so he gets to say what he wants, you know? So, but yeah, it was definitely unforgettable. I'm looking forward to seeing... Uh, okay, I forgot. I was going to bring up this question. Is this crazier than Diego Sanchez and um, Joshua Fabia? No, it's not. Because, you know, this was like... the the This actually made sense. Not not him choosing her, but the way they interacted. It was like, okay, she understands. Like, her her knowledge is limited. She can do very specific, helpful things like bring the stool, put the ice, and you know, give like loving encouragement. And and the best thing she can do is stay out of the way. And she she essentially did that, except when she really felt compelled to say something, and it you know it it seemed to motivate him at least to a small degree. On the other side, that's a a relationship to me that seems a little strange. There's a little um, almost like a. It just feels like a little cultish, you know. I'm not saying that's what it is, but that's just what it reminds me of. Like, you feel sort like of, there's some missing in this explanation. Yeah, there's. I mean, not 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 only just the relationship, and then when yeah, when he does his his cornering, his advice, it's like um, it's like he's just sort of saying what he 
he, he like watched a bunch of fight movies and like wrote down like some of the best things to say. That's kind of what it seems like. It doesn't really seem specific and it doesn't very, really seem helpful, but it sounds sort of okay. Um, and so that I think can be hurtful because, you know, your fighter, in this case, Diego Sanchez could believe you and go out there and do something that just doesn't make sense. Whereas Latori is saying, good job, or, you <laughs> moral know, here's support. ice. She's bringing moral support. Yeah, sit down on this nice stool I brought you. <laughs> so, you know, so less is more in this specific instance is, is, uh, is, <laughs> is the way to go. If I'm, if I'm Mike Perry, for sure, or Diego Sanchez, less is more. I mean, uh, for the record, if I'm in battle and the only thing you got for me is you're doing great, I'm sorry, but if I get out of this, you are fired. I need more than that. I mean, <laughs> it's because he was, right? But if we're talking yeah. like, you know, Ronda Rousey versus uh, Hallie Holm and it's like beautiful work, you know, obviously. Uh, I'll say this. Mike Perry knew he was going in there to do the job himself, you know, which like, look, that's his prerogative and it worked out this time. I do... The one thing about Diego and Joshua is like, if I'm not speaking your language, then clearly then that's where it's on me. But, you know, from the outside looking in, I completely agree with what you're saying. It feels like, wait, is he helping you or is he just convinced you he's helping you? So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that that's the big uh, the big difference, essentially. But yeah, for the record, you know. If you're sitting front row, you better tell me I'm doing great. If you're with me in the corner, you better bring a lot more than good job. <laughs> anyway, uh, congratulations, Latori. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's cool, man. Anyway, uh, let's talk about um, good stuff. Uh, there were a lot of underdogs that I feel like showed up Saturday night. I think that that's something to look out for. They really, um, it was just a fun paced card, in my opinion, compared to the last few weeks. Uh, MMA news. John Jones, our good buddy, Natalie, he talked to... Okay, when did Steve-O become this authority in MMA? I don't know, dude, like, but he, like, interviewed Ronda Rousey, too, right? Like he's just... And Dana. Oh. And, like, we're, like, quoting his podcast for breaking news, and I'm That's like, crazy. wait, when did this happen? And, look, I get it, you know, he... Celebr- it's kind of like when celebrities aren't going to talk to the media, but they'll talk to Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, yeah. He's a star like them, so it's all casual, and it's like, oh, well, you know, you're famous like me, so let's talk, and oh, yeah, I'll do your show. So I, I get it, but obviously the big takeaway, John Jones is saying that he's willing to sit out a year or two um, to get paid what he's worth, and just he feels like it could be a, you know, benefit uh, younger fighters in the future and be big for his legacy. Uh I guess, where do we start with this? I feel like we've discussed the John Jones side of things enough. Like, look, I get it. He's he's the one risking everything. We've said this enough times. It's like, you know, if he's going up to heavyweight, you know, that's something. But at light heavyweight, it's just about the other guys upsetting him. It's not going to raise his stock if he beats Dominic Reyes or Jan Blahovich, um in the future. So now, you know, look, it, I've heard Helwani bring this up. The schedule is set until like November, December. So technically speaking, if John Jones wants to hang out all summer, the UFC is just fine. But we are now starting to talk about by the time we get to August, September, maybe, if this is still a thing, I think you really got to discuss what do you do with that light heavyweight title. So 
I'm gonna toss it to you, I guess. How do you see this playing out? What do you think by when does do things need to happen, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I think something has to happen this year. Um maybe fall. Um, but like you gotta do an interim belt. Like if he wants to sit on the sidelines and wait for more money, fine, man, that's fine. That's all we all all we want is for the fighters to get paid, you know, what we what to get paid well. They're putting their life on the line to entertain us. Like, of course, please, even even for someone who, you know, John Jones says he's making five million a fight, that's a lot. But yeah, should they be making more? Of course. So I have no issues with him waiting on the sidelines, but you can't hold up the division. You got these killers, you know, young guys uh, on the rise, and like let them fight, let them go get their interim belt. Um, so so I think you know what are we July? Uh, yeah, by by Q four, I think you should have something booked for uh, an interim level um, for for Reyes, Jan, whoever, 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 whoever's available. But John Jones wants to sit out. That's fine by me. Yeah, I think um, as I hear this, it's like I do think a lot more has to happen before we say that it's a, you know, it's benefiting everybody outside of John Jones. I'm with you there. Look, um, everybody, like I'm all for everybody getting paid because that's what I want for myself. I will say that at this point, you know, and it's I'm not gonna lie, it's uncomfortable to talk about, you know, because it's like, look, I don't know each each side, like who's really getting paid what, who's not getting paid what, and all this other behind the scenes stuff that that's why it's their business. Um, in terms of these guys' career, I think if you're John Jones, I think it comes down to the fact that it's like, look, you know, are you okay with, you know, crucial months at what I think is gonna be the end of his prime? Uh, essentially they're being left on the table in negotiation and all this. I think that's a big deal. For Dominic Reyes, Jan Blahovich, I mean, look, I get it. These guys fought to put themselves in a position. Neither one of them has been a hotter commodity than right now, especially Jan, who hasn't fought for the title, but he's on a great win streak. Dominic Reyes, even though he lost, a lot of people are like, look, you are like the 1B in the light heavyweight division right now especially with Tiago Santos out. So to tell these guys, hey, you know, if you're going to wait for John and this and that, it may not be until next year, that's a tough thing. And, you know, I think at a certain point, something will give. And I do think it's more likely that they fight each other, interim or otherwise, before we get John Jones back. Because I think that, um, you know, depending on when we get... Uh, Gaethje and Habib, I feel like, and we'll talk about this right now, I feel like they're going to do Adesanya and Costa in September. But by that point, I mean, a lot of the belts have already been accounted for. Johns is kind of the only one. And quite bluntly, there's not going to be a BMF out of nowhere. I think that you're going to have to put the title on the line with or without him. And that decision is going to have to be made by September before we've stopped talking about Fight Island. So... That's what makes this such a difficult situation. For the record, I don't think that he's going to sit out two years, but if you tell me that uh, he doesn't fight again in 2020, that's starting to feel like a possibility. Yeah, I think he definitely will not. And uh, okay, but we have to just keep things moving. And the UFC is pretty darn good about that. Like they never, 
bend the knee to even their biggest superstar. Um, not entirely anyway, and they've already shot John Jones down. So who's going to blink first? Probably not the UFC. Um, so we'll see how long John is willing to wait, but I think he'll at least wait at the end of the year. Not so hard considering the crazy year it's been. We'll revisit this, but let me ask you. Let's say, you know, actually either way, regardless of what happens with the heavyweight title, if DC wins and vacates, if Stipe uh, defends, could you see a scenario where they make a big fight, they pay John to fight Stipe, and they just jump Francis in line? No, I don't think so. Like, John Jones is is one of the biggest stars, but, like, Francis Ngannou, like, People know who he is, and, and they want to see him fight, and, like, heavyweight is still king, you know, and so I think people want to see him fight for the title, whether that be against Stipe or against against John Jones, but not to, to be jumped over for a title shot by John Jones. I don't think so. I feel like, oh, man, once again, it comes down to John. I think that if they, or, you know, I just the John Jones side, I mean, is that, if they get a deal done, I feel like there's a lot of hype to be made if Jones were to fight um, Stipe. But what I could see happening is that, okay, John, either you sit out or we're going to have to just, this is the deal you're going to get to fight a, either, I think it's going to be Blahovich rather than Reyes, but this is where it's at. You could either sit out or you could defend your title, but that's it. We're not going to... We're not going to give you Stipe instead of Francis, plain and simple. So yeah, I, I, think I think that'll be. I think you're right. But then once again, it's like is ah, it's tough negotiations, money. It's very rough. <laughs> A lot of moving pieces. Glad we're not the ones doing it. Yeah, like once again, that's someone else's money. That always makes me uncomfortable. But that's the situation. But yeah, I'll, I'll say this: if you're Blahovich and Reyes. You put yourself in a position, these are tough fights. These are not easy fights. And quite bluntly, losing a title is a lot better for your career, possibly, than losing a top contender fight. Because think of how many guys never get to a title fight and all the profile it brings. So I get it. They don't want to risk their you know, status either if they can wait and get the big fight. But we are getting to that time where we're going to have to start talking about, you know, how long are you really willing to wait? Because it looks like we might go to the limit. But yeah, it's uh, tough stuff. Um, so Natalie, let's go ahead. Um, next week, we're going to spend pretty much the whole episode talking Fight Island. So I don't want us to, you know, jump the shark. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> anyway, until then. So I feel like it's a good time to talk about the summer we've officially crossed into the second half of 2020 like we said and um yeah just essentially what do we expect to see next out of a lot of stuff um let me bring something up so assuming Adesanya and Costa is September October Gaethje versus Habib is whatever is not September October all the titles since the uh pandemic will have been competed for except Valentina's and Wei Li's and John Jones, but that's another story. So my question is, do you think that they will have Valentina and Wei Li fight during the summer? Or do you see them possibly waiting till the end of next year? 
Or oh, sorry, sorry, the, sorry, the end of this year. I think they'll wait till the end of this year. Um, although I keep seeing, you know, our wonderful Valentina out and about and on Instagram. Now it's just like they're just photos, but it looks like she's moving okay. You know, she's posing okay. So you know, uh, maybe sooner than later. But no, I think I think end of the year. I think I think Q four um, probably on the same card as uh, my my uh, proposed interim light heavyweight um fight so i like it i think we could see those together yeah i'd like to point out i think that valentina could break a couple ribs and still do those like the the kick pose on the cliff just (laughs) just for the record she seems like she's that kind of badass um uh i feel like see here's the thing that i kind of started coming up with is that if you're Valentina, you've committed to Jojo Calderwood, right? Yeah. She, look, she's got TV or she's got ESPN Plus on her phone. She watched the fight with Cynthia Calvillo. She watched the fight with Lauren Murphy over Roxanne. I don't feel like Valentina is jumping out of her seat to be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, feed me these fights, right? But now... What's the big fight for her? Is Wei Li. Well, what does the UFC... What What is everyone hoping will happen, UFC included? Rose beats Jessica next week. Rose recovers and can fight Wei Li this year. Wei Li beats Rose. Hey, you got to super fight Wei Li, Valentina, when they're both on sweeping the division, right? The problem with that is if Valentina comes back too soon... The next year, she's waiting a long time because Rose still has to fight Jessica, recover, and then go fight Wei Li, and then they got to take time off after that fight. So I feel like Valentina is kind of almost trying to push it for the sake of, hey, you know, I want to minimize the layoff I'm going to have to take. Because I don't think she's interested in fighting a Lauren Murphy or Cynthia Calvillo before Wei Li, possibly. Assuming she, you know, she's going to fight Joanne, and I think a lot of people expect her to beat JoJo. Yeah, I think she'll beat JoJo. I'm sorry. I, I was thinking that that fight would be the one in, in Q4, Valentina JoJo. Right. Um, uh, but uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to put myself in, in, my, in my sister Valentina's head. I think she'll take whoever in her division. She wants to clean it out. I don't think she's looking at these people and is like, eh, boring too easy i mean no you know like some of her fights have been pretty easy um jessica i she she dispatched rather quickly so i don't think she's judging that way i think she's just like whoever's next i will beat them um the way lee won that's that's serious business right so um but i don't i really don't think that she's gonna run or go out of her way to get that fight locked in like she'll just keep doing her her thing at 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 a 125 and then if the ufc says okay we need you to take a break then she'll do it um so if there is a lauren murphy or or somebody else that that comes in and before that because things are still getting sorted out at 115 i don't think valentina would have an issue um just going for it like she's had she's done some quick turnarounds and uh i mean she doesn't get hurt. I mean, obviously she got injured, but this last time, 
but she doesn't come out of these fights beat up or anything. So I think she'll be all right. I think she'll be all right to keep her show going at 125 and then still be ready for Wei Lee. I think it depends on schedule. I think that that's really what it comes down to is if you feel like you can sneak it where it's not going to be the worst to wait a little bit and get Wei Lee. I do think that she will take a break. Now, mind you, if it's just so off, like, I'll say this. um, You're in a conundrum if Jessica beats Rose a second time, right? Because the first fight with Whaley and Jessica was so one-sided. With Rose, like, look, she has been active in the past. I do think there's a little bit of a concern because she's been less active in recent years. She's become a kind of like a once-a-year kind of fighter, and... I think if you're trying to set up a super fight and you want her to fight first, then obviously, you know, there's a little bit of worry there. But I I don't know. I think that that's what it just comes down to because I don't... How do I put it? Unless Jessica beats Rose, I can't see them making the fight with Valentina first for Wei Li. You know, so I think that um, it just comes down to timing. And I think the hope is that Rose gets it done quick or doesn't take damage and she comes out ready to fight Wei Li in November, December. But that's a big if. That's the biggest if in the entire equation. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. Uh, she's the X factor here. She's the, like the pin, right? That, you know, you could holds this all together or, or lets it all fall apart. Um, very interesting point. So, yeah, Rose falls in your court. <laughs> I mean, it, I guess look, it, it is on her, right? But um, I, I guess that's my thing is that I feel like that's how they are going to set these up. They're going to have the two fight relatively close in timing is their hope. Because if they both win, then suddenly all the, all the heat is right there to build a big fight in 2021. And isn't that what we want after we feel like we've missed a lot of them without fans, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some other stuff about pretty much what's going on in, um, I guess, in the other promotions to come back. LFA is looking to keep a busy schedule in July. Bellator. I have a feeling we're going to hear something very soon. Even if it's just like end of August we're coming back kind of deal. But I guess what are you most looking forward to from them when they finally do get business back running? Is it the Featherweight Grand Prix? Is it some of the stars? What do you think needs to be their big breakout when they get back? Definitely the Featherweight Grand Prix. And, like, honestly, it's been so long. I don't remember who who's left. But what was the last fight Bellator had in January? Uh, they had, like, a smaller one in February. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so I definitely want to see that get finished out. And, and Alimale, like, I want to, you know, Fingers crossed that like all this stuff that we're in right now, the world is in, especially our country. If we can get Hawaii back open, that would be great to to return um, for for the sport for Hawaii to have Alima, you know, give a show, put on a fight, defend her belt. I think everybody's probably chomping at the bit at Bellator because they've had to sit on the sidelines for so long. Um, I wonder why, you know, what it is that. Is it is it financial? What is the reason why you know the UFC is able to come back uh, sooner, so soon, and and some other promotions even, but Bellator still working stuff out. Um, I'd be curious to find out, but but I'm excited for them to to get back on for sure. I will say this: I feel like people have to 
tried to ask Scott Coker, whatever's going on, they've done a great job, you know, mum's the word, right? Mm-hmm. I would imagine it's a budget thing. I feel like their fighter budget is just, how do I put it? They have a lot more mouths to feed in terms of fighter contracts compared to mm-hmm. LFA. And mm-hmm. I think that when you're looking at the pie and how much, I think that quite bluntly, the amount of money that has to go to fighters is a lot bigger, relatively speaking, than LFA, that it's hard to get a consistent schedule back for Bellator. That can be, that's the only thing I can imagine it would be. Um, I'd also point out, I'm hearing rumors that, uh, their um the DAZN deal isn't going that it might you know yeah, I guess the I two sides too. are looking you know it's not going to be going on much longer I mean that could be part of it I mean look I feel like they did just fine on Paramount for a long time but if there's somehow money more money that's going to be lost on their side then okay maybe you know the idea of all chips in and getting the ball rolling may not be as secure for them. I feel like that's the only thing it could be. Dude, side note though, what does this mean for DAZN? Like, it's getting a little, little sketchy over there, right? I mean, I mean, you still got. It's once again, like I'm not big on their non-combat sports programming, um, soccer or whatever. I mean, I, there's a lot of soccer on cable. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but uh, no, look, completely fair. I think they're a lot bigger other places than they are in the United States, respectfully. Um, I think that they obviously are, they're anchored down by Canelo and Anthony Joshua right now, right? And then they're at, like, dude, I, I can't tell you how many people are talking about Ryan Garcia. He's a DAZN guy. They got Triple G. I mean, you've seen it. They're talking about doing um, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury. I'm sure. I'm sure something is going to be worked out where you know DAZN subscribers get a discount on the pay per view or something like that. I feel like you know if they lose Bellator, they're fine. So uh, yeah, and, you they're know, probably it, fine. But I, I gotta. It makes me wonder though, like with how much they've committed to these boxers, like money-wise like to Canelo these big deals that they sign and no fights going on like how many I wonder what their subscribership looks like right now I mean it's they got to be hurting right Uh, also everybody ESPN plus I mean like what is on ESPN plus that's besides uh, UFC that's live right now it's pretty much nothing there's no sports anywhere um, Korean baseball, maybe that's lit at midnight if you're watching it on ESPN Plus, but you know what I mean. So, dude, I kept seeing that on like TV like for a month already. I was like, why is ESPN showing Korean baseball? My husband's like, because there's nothing else on. <laughs> it's like it was either that or more cornhole, according to Dana White. It's true, they were showing cornhole. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, actually I like watching that. I saw some tweets. People were... I, I like the mentality they had. People were like, hey, so which one's the gritty underdog team in Korea? Because I need to hook, attach myself to those guys. <laughs> I, I need to know who to record at 1 a.m. or the 2 a.m. people. <laughs> so I like the mentality. Um, let me ask you a question. How do you feel about the UFC taking a page out of some of these other MLB and Korean baseball the idea of like you pay to have a cardboard cut out of yourself and have that in the apex. I think it's just kind of silly to me and I don't know who it's supposed to help 
um, like the people in the sport, like, you know, the baseball players. So they look out and see somebody um, or people watching on TV. I don't know. I think it's weird. I'm not, I'm not into it. I heard also like German soccer, they're doing like low, like um, soft, like low volume crowd sounds. Ah. I mean, whatever it takes to get people interested. A friend of mine was watching and she said it did make a difference. Like, you know, kind of <laughs> a little more back to normal. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not digging on any of those fake things. Like, look, this is where we are. We're watching a fight without fans. You can still hear people talking. It's still exciting. At least for our sport, you don't, you don't need fans to have killer fights, you know, case in point, Poirier hooker. So. I don't know. I mean, I feel like if I have like a giant, um, like Joe's steakhouse and like, I'm like, Oh, 200 bucks gets me on ESPN for six hours right behind the red corner. Uh, maybe, but that's the only reason I would feel like, uh, you know. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm misunderstanding. You're saying you can buy your, you can buy a spot for your photo to be put up in a, in a, in a stadium? Well, like your cardboard cutout, if it's like you submit a picture of yourself and you're like wearing a giant logo on your t-shirt in the photo that's used for the cutout, well, isn't that prime real estate? Oh, yeah. If that's a real thing, I'm totally on board with my own face being used for one of these weird cutout cardboard cutouts. I'm just not into it as a fan. Like if you but, can yeah. pick your spot for the cutout, I get it. If you're just placed randomly, obviously it's not worth it. As long as they show me where, if I can see myself on TV, that'll be <laughs> worth it. Oh gosh. Um, I'll say this uh, for Bellator. If I had to pick, um, give me a uh, Gegard Mousasi, uh, Douglas Lima. I mean, I feel like that was the best fight on paper that they were going to have. Um, Everybody, like, uh, this is going to sound rotten, but I feel like at this point with the Featherweight Grand Prix and Alima and all this other stuff, I feel like, man, just whenever we get it. But if I'm going to, if you're going to go big for the return, I feel like put that fight first. But um, everything else, I feel like we've waited so long that it's like, whenever I get it, I'll be happy at this point. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on it. But I do want to see them back. There's... There's some good fights over there. Um, Natalie, the last topic. Um, by the end of July, well, as of the writing, obviously, you know, depending on certain places that are actually closing back down, frighteningly so, mm. virtually all major sports are scheduled to return from NBA, uh, MLB, and MLS. I mean, I guess, what do you think? Like, UFC is not going to be the only sport on TV anymore. Is this going to affect anything, in your opinion? I don't think so, because it's not like they were, like, destroying it ratings-wise, right? They had good numbers on ESPN, at least from what I've seen reported, but it wasn't like... I thought I thought it was going to be like, the whole world's going to be watching because it's the first sport back. I don't know what the pay-per-view numbers have been, but at least straight ESPN stuff. Not crazy. I mean, you know, the fight with um, was Jessica I and, and Calvillo, that was like the top performing ESPN card of recent. And, um, but you know, I, I heard a lot of people did tune in this past weekend with Dustin and Dan. That, I hope so, man. I, I would like to see those numbers. If they're out, I, I haven't seen them yet. Um, so, so I don't, uh, long story, uh, just to cut my long story short, 
I don't think so because, like I said, they they haven't been like mega killing it, but they've been doing well. So I think that the, it's just like the same people who already watch MMA, UFC are going to stick with it. Um, I, I don't think you're going to see that cannibalized by by the uh, the bigger sports uh, coming back, unless it's like you know, I can't think of what. I mean, I don't know. I think, I think we'll be okay. I think we're all going to be able to coexist like we used to. Um, and ESPN's got to be loving UFC. Like, they, they came back. They gave that channel something to put up, some live sports. So I think they're, that they're going to get a little bit better treatment probably too I'm when everyone's you. back. Yeah. I'm with you there. I think that um, in terms of uh, – there is a little bit of that runoff. Oh, there is live sports back, but – um. I don't know. Uh, I think, like with pay-per-view, getting those numbers to go big, they depend on a lot of key factors and key timing. So, you know, I think that's one. In terms of the fight nights, I will say this. I think that MMA fans tuned in more for these last few weeks. Why? Because we're lucky enough that of all the sports to come back, it's ours, right? So even if Cynthia versus Jessica on paper didn't knock your socks off, man, you get MMA, you know, like, come on. It, like, it's either that or the Korean baseball, once again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that that's a key factor to it. But I do I do agree with you. Like, I tune in and I don't feel like there's this, oh, my gosh, you know, I just discovered UFC and I watched this guy named Dustin Poirier fight. I don't think we're seeing that. If anything, I feel like it's also highlighted how much the and respectfully i get it basketball and all these other sports they're bigger more exposure all these other factors but like i'm seeing it and i'm seeing so much of my feed they're talking about the nba players what are they going to have in disneyland like i'm over there reading about lebron james is going to have they're going to have like a blackjack table they're going to have like the video game systems they're going to have like live comedy concerts movie showings up there as they're locked in in the the bubble and i'm like i'm seeing so many people talk about this and i'm like i get it but there's not even games going on we've had fights weeks you know for weeks back to back to back so yeah like there's been more mma more people are watching mma for sure but once again i feel like we're gonna kind of go back to the status quo UFC isn't going to be bigger than LeBron versus Kawhi if that's when they schedule it on a Saturday. Yeah, man, it's not. I really, you know, I really thought this was going to be like the thing that broke MMA mainstream, but it's still a very specific type of sport, and yeah, you got to have a stomach for it, I guess. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the ESPN deal has helped. I think there's just oh, yeah. a lot more general, like... I'm watching TV and then randomly I'm hearing Amanda Nunes, you know, in that Felicia Spencer commercial with the Nelly song. It's like, oh, it's like, wait, what? What am I watching right now? You know, like I'm getting my MMA where I didn't before. And I think that's a key factor. So, yeah, I think that's all part of it. But um, I do. Believe, it's interesting because it's like we've kind of it's weird. We've gotten used to being the only thing on. And now it's like, hey, are we going to start talking about, well, Man, I, like, what's a fight night? Robert Whitaker and Darren Till went to war, but no one saw that because LeBron was scoring 40 in Orlando. Who knows, you know? 
Yeah, and the trickier part is specifically like NBA, like because it's going to be so condensed, they're going to gobble up a lot of freaking airtime and and sports conversations. Yeah. So very interesting to see what happens, how it all shakes out. And MLB, they they broadcast a lot of spring training, I think, preseason games. People are excited for baseball too. So, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> Natalie, we are T minus what nine. 10 days from Fight Island. Um, give me one. There's a lot of good action. One thing, not even the whole fight, but one storyline you're really looking forward to. Ooh. Well, we were talking about cornering earlier, and so I'm curious to see how Usman and Burns, um, how they're going to, I don't mean say react, because I don't know, like I'm not, I haven't gone, I have to go back and like study, I guess, how they, how they interact with their, uh, with Henry Hoof to the normally, but that's going to be an, an interesting change for both of these guys and the biggest fight for both of them, their buddies apparently, and then not to have like their main coach with them. So um, I'll be looking at that. And uh, Max Holloway, will he have a hair, a fresh haircut or is he going to still be rocking the, the long locks? I'm very curious to know that too. I heard he's keeping it long. Okay. I, I like it. I think in. he looks really good. I mean, I feel like, you know, Max Holloway's haircut is mine after two months if I just go yellow, but I don't know. It's just weird. Um, I'll tell you the one that really surprised me. Ally Akinta. I mean, he's right there with Ben Askren and Chase Hooper. He's about to join the curly-haired family. You know what I mean? That's like funny, I, didn't, dude, I haven't seen his picture. You I haven't got seen to, to look it up. I did not. I, I never expected his hair to look like that when it's grown out whoa that's funny dude i had no idea you know what i mean yeah <laughs> um for me uh, i like that because they're on the same team that's crazy i feel like of all the fights that could deliver i think that peter Jan jose aldo has the most propensity for damage i like max and alex but i feel like it's gonna be so good but so technical I feel like they're both going to try to not make mistakes, and I get it. It's going to be high-level MMA. I just feel like stylistically, Aldo and Jan are just best set up to bring the damage. And I think that when you talk about Aldo going in and all that, it just adds that X factor. So I feel like just that, like, can Aldo get in there and make it win this battle is my thing. Because I feel like on paper it's already sold up in terms of the action. Yeah, that's uh, oof. that is a big one because, well, I won't go into my whole thing about Josie Aldo, but but yeah, let's see how he looks. Second time, second shot at at uh at looking good at one thirty five, and um, it's for all the marbles. So yeah. Oh, it's gonna be good. All right, guys. Next week we will be here. We will break it down. Kamaru Burns, Holloway, Volkanovski. Uh, Aldo, Jan, Paige versus Amanda, Rose versus Jessica. It's going to be off the chain. And yeah, we'll break all that down. We'll get you guys ready for all the other fight nights in Yaz Island. And guys, we'll be back next week.